What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. We got two out of three. The uh, good luck charms for game five. Too bad we couldn't fly to LA and bring the good luck to game six. I don't know that luck would have helped anything because this team was completely checked out. I'm not going to completely crap all over everything to start the show. I'm just flat out only going to say this about this game, and then we can move on and talk about some other stuff. Yep. This team looked like they were checked out at the end of the first half, and within the first three minutes of the second half, I shut my TV off because I knew they were done. The body language, just everything about them coming out of the half was awful. And some of that is on the players. You're supposed to be professional, but yeah, it's, it's coaching. It's like, I, yeah, yeah, there are personnel issues on this roster. You have injuries. Yeah. Like, yes, there are issues with this team, but said it before, I'll say it again. You can be a Taylor Jenkins supporter if that's what you choose to do. But if you choose to sit here and pretend like he doesn't have flaws, then your vision of this team is flawed. Yeah, it's pretty obvious for me. I I I stand where I stand. Uh, and it's and it's more than the decision making. It's more than the lack of adjustments. It's more than than anything else. Uh, one of the biggest reasons why I found it, you know, before the series and before everything else. One of the biggest reasons I found it hard to advocate strongly for Jenkins for coach of the year was because of everything. It sounds crazy, but a lot of it, everything that happened off court, like it, you want to have a disciplined team. You want to, you want to encourage your players to yes, be confident. Yes. Have swagger, but also, you know, I think sometimes those lines are crossed to just, flat out just being disrespectful, flat out just being undisciplined and not just on the court, but off the court. On the court, it shows too in terms of lack of discipline, um, just on a lot of different areas in in, in terms of uh, making the right plays, making the right reads, being held accountable for uh, poor decisions from play to play, from possession to possession. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. So I know... Everybody talks about Grizz culture, and uh, I just think that you got to kind of you want to do you want to redefine what that culture looks like. I think at this point, because uh, for this year, that culture was trying to carry over the swagger from the year before without the poise, bark, I mean, bite, or anything else. You know, fight that you would really need. Uh, just how checked out this team was in an elimination game. T- to me, I-, I don't know. I mean, some people can say that's on the players, I guess, and they have a role, but I, it's the coach's job to motivate the players and to get the best out of them. And if you can't motivate your players when their season is on the line, I I mean, I- I'm not sure what to say. <laughs> that's kind of like a core thing, like, and yes, the players should be motivated themselves. It is an elimination game, but again, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long season, and that's kind of what coaches are there for. So, yeah, it's as as a competitor. If I'm facing elimination, I'm naturally going to have more drive. 
right. that's just that's the way that I am wired. Maybe not everybody is wired like that, but essentially, you would think if these guys have the talent to get to this level that that would be the way that you're wired. Like when your back is against the wall, that's when you have to fight the hardest. And they didn't do that. If this team comes out in this game and they give it everything that they got and the Lakers beat them fine. Like I'm not happy. The best team does not always win the first round series. And I could list a whole bunch of different matchups where that was the case. But the one that I'm going to go with is 1994 Seattle supersonics, Number one seed, Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, Detlef Shrimp. Like the the list goes on. That team was loaded. Face off against the Kimbe Mutombo and the eight seed Nuggets. The Nuggets win that series. The Nuggets were not the better team. Yeah. They just played better during that series. They right. were a problem for that team. The Lakers were a problem for the Grizzlies. They shouldn't have been. The Grizzlies are a better team, even without Steven Adams, even without Brandon Clark. This Grizzlies team is better than that Lakers team. You can't prove it by the results of this series, but it is what it is. These guys did not bring their a game when it mattered most when, you know, that they were terrible on the road to, to end the season. Well, I think that this loss on the road takes them to like, Oh, and 18, I think, or Oh, and 19 on when they were, uh, when they were underdogs on the road this year. And you you have to do something different. You can't keep running the same thing out there and expect it, it's that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Whatever you were doing on the road was not working. Do something different. And unfortunately, I, I don't know that I saw anything in this game that they done different other than give up way earlier than they should have. Yeah, I gotta agree. Um, Shoot twenty nine of ninety six is pretty uh <laughs> that's that's pretty tough man uh that's pretty tough I I saw something uh I don't generally listen to national media but Bobby Marks does the off season got guide and uh decided that sort of check that out and see what he said and one thing he talked about was that individual talent means nothing and. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important for this team to keep in mind going forward. They've got a great core of Ja, Jaron, and Dez. A few teams that have a big three anyway, let alone a big three that's young. But they don't play together. When we talked about this with Ja and Jaron all the time, and that chemistry needs to be developed, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But if they don't go into the offseason understanding that you can be talented, super talented, and never get over the hump because it's more than just how talented you are. And I think the coach maybe needs to keep that in mind too. Um, with the whole Jago get a bucket and like there are just other ways, like you said, to um, you got to do something different. And this, uh, this, this season, I mean, if you want to put a po- positive spin on it, Better to happen now than three seasons later, right? Where they're they're older. It's there. There's this is the time to, you know, timeline wise, it's a good time to make some changes or decisions or whatever. Um, over later, but it definitely needs to be a shift. Um, like you said, they run it back. 
it's not going to lead to good results for this team. Yeah, there. This team should have four to five different names on it heading into next season. I don't expect that to happen, but that's what should happen. The, what do you mean? the the roster, like, look at what this series exposed on this team. When Steven Adam, like you have Xavier Tillman and X played fantastic in the playoffs for the Grizzlies. Like this was a, a, a crap game for him. Like yeah. he, he did not play well in this game at all, but he stepped up when you needed him to. Right. Can he be, can he be your legitimate backup center? And I think based off of the evidence that we have, the answer to that question is no. Yeah. Like he he is a good NBA player. He is an effective NBA player and he will have games when he excels. We saw it in this series yep. when he had that 20, what was it? 22 point double, double in this series. So he's going to have games whenever he excels that that's going to happen. But we like this team needed a backup center going into the regular season that was not addressed this team needed a bucket getter off of the bench. Yep. That was not addressed. This team needed to be better and have court offense. And I think, I think, not even think, I know that they, they attempted to address that. Yeah. But they rested. They, they leaned a little bit too far into, give me just a second, hold on. Sorry, didn't want to cough into the microphone. <laughs> they they leaned way too hard into this coaching staff's ability to develop. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know where the line is as to say, okay, we are here right now, and this is when we need to push, or we are here and we need to keep developing. But you finished as the two seed in the West two years in a row with this roster. If this offseason is not the time to push, and you, we talked a little bit about Brandon Clark not being available, so maybe it's like, all right, we're going to take a step back next year, and we're going to go full development mode with this team. This team is still going to win games because you have Jaron, you have Ja, you have Dez. That's talent. They're going to let Dylan Brooks walk. They're going to draft a player, and they're just going to develop guys next year because Brandon Clark is out. You know he's a key piece of your rotation. Yeah. But the problem that I have with that is tomorrow is not guaranteed. Right, that's fair. And you do have a lot of good young talent. But as we saw this season, shit happens. Yeah. You, you know, like the 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 – way that John Morant went from one of, you know, and maybe it was a facade, like one of the most confident players and had the ability like, okay, this guy is a franchise player. This guy is a superstar. All of this off court stuff happens. And it's like the on court talent is still there, but is his mental game strong enough to keep him at that superstar level? 
Yeah. And and we we really don't know the answer to that right now. If you ask me to vote on whether the answer is yes or no, I'm going to say yes right now. But the truth in the situation is you really don't know. Jaron has had a history of injuries. He was mostly held like when he came back, I don't know, he didn't really miss any time after yeah. the first part of the season. Dez has the toe thing that's going to have to be addressed in the off season. Is he going to be healthy? come opening day there's a lot of things that factor into okay what are you going to do next season is this team going to be healthy enough to push all in and i have no idea i don't know what that's going to look like you have contracts that you can move in tyus and luke Kennard. um there's a lot of things that could happen but what i'm not gonna do i, I done this last year i got my hopes up that because they finished second in the West and they were literally just health being healthy away from making it to the finals, that they would make some moves in order to improve this team to try and win a championship. And the moves that they made were not moves that you make in order to try and win a championship. We had a lot of people coming at Isaac and I had a lot my, I agreed with a lot of what what Isaac said whenever it came to Melton and Kyle. And it's not, you know, we, we had a lot of fans. The Grizzlies had a lot of fans that were pissed whenever they traded JV. Oh, this is a huge step back. And it wasn't. And losing Melt and Kyle was not a huge step back. But their plan that they had in place did not pan out. Period. You cannot argue that what they had in place for this season, what they thought was going to work out this season worked in the way that they thought it was going to, they made moves in order to get Zaire more playing time. And then he had health issues. And when he didn't have health issues, he looked lost as last year's Easter egg. This year was a miss. <laughs> like, it, it, like I wasn't really trying to be funny, but like he did like he, he was, what we saw at the end of year one compared to what we saw this year from Zaire, it was daylight and dark. I'm like, it really was. Yeah. It's like, just, how do you regress <laughs> that, that much? Like, how do you regress that much? Yeah. So it, it, it's to me, this season was a miss for the front office. And I'm, yeah. I'm not going to sit back and be like, Oh, well, this is going to be the year that they're going to make that change. Because as I pointed out, you've got plenty of reasons to be like, Oh, well, we can just take a step back next year focus on developing these guys and then see what we really need. But that's risky to me. And I am not a fan of that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's a tough situation that they're in for sure. Cause they don't have a ton of trade assets to, to, to make a lot of moves. I mean, they do in terms of draft capital, but just in terms of rosters and matching salary, uh, that's, that's not there. Um, and if you, it really is fixing the margins. I think there is a, a a clear need at small forward. It's tough to evaluate how you want to address that, uh, the Dylan Brooks situation. But I think most of your moves are just because we talked. It was this was a big it was a big word. I think uh, Baines like rookie year and stuff like consolidation. I feel like they're at that point again in terms of the bench. Like you got to pick your guys. Like you can you can have some developmental guys, but it can't be 
I mean, if you look at the box office for who played in the bench, and granted, you know, they're missing two key players, but, but I mean, Brandon would normally be off the bench, but Santi Aldama, John Conchar, David Roddy, Zaire Williams, uh, Kenneth Lofton, like, that's a lot of, I mean, that's supporting your core, and no offense to those guys because they're talented, and they'll grow. I do believe they'll all be better. I mean, you still got Jake LaRavia on the bench. That's just, you drafted five rookies, and I'm not sure there was a clear plan for all of those guys. And now you're back to the point where you're consolidating, not necessarily because you got a log jam. The first consolidation was great because you had a ton of guards. You had Grayson Allen, DeAnthony Milton, Desmond Bain. You're trying to figure out who's going to be the guys, a choice amongst, you know, good choices. For this, it's not a log jam at one position. It's really clunky. It's a clunky sort of consolidate. Like your roster is clunked up with a variety of different types of talents that you know, aren't aren't going to give you the support you need to make a championship run. There are a couple of guys who could develop into that, but right now it just doesn't fit. And it, it's not very complimentary for a, from a front office that really built the success of this team along, based, based on being a complimentary player. Like they picked complimentary players to their stars. And I know what they were trying to do, given that Roddy was a 44% shooter coming out of college and Jake LaRavia was, I forget, he was a good shooter coming out of college. And Santi Aldama is is a good developmental backup for. It just doesn't work. Um, they still kind of do some of the same things, I think. Like there's there's some redundancy in some areas that's not needed and or 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 like redundancy in some bad ways. And yeah. I don't know. I, I think that you don't if you look at a championship roster and you look at the guys that they have coming off of the bench I don't even I don't want to point to this Lakers roster because I don't think that this rate that I'm extremely confident that this Lakers team does not win a championship this year. Yeah. But you look at who, who they have coming off of their bench? Dennis Schroeder. He he's a guy. He's a point guard. Usually takes pretty good care of the ball. He's able to score. He didn't play well in, in this series, but he's a guy that can get you points off of the bench and he can run your offense. That's Tyus Jones for the Grizzlies. Both of them backup point guards that do a good job. That kind of Jones should be able to give you more offense than what he did in this series off of the bench but he's not like a gunner. And then you have Rui Hachimura, who was the star for them off of their bench as a guy to come in and rebound and shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. Like when, when you, the, the drop off for the Grizzlies, like you look at their starting five and, and X is a guy that should not be in the starting five. Right. But you look at the starting five and then you go down to the bench if this team is healthy, the only guy that was playing in this series is Tyus Jones. And that, that like the rest of these guys, like I like Aldama. This is not me crapping on all of the Grizzlies players because it's, it's as simple as youth. When 
let, let's go back. Look at that. Look at the Warriors team from last year. You look at that roster and look at the guys that played minutes in the, in the playoffs and what it was like the combination of guys that played minutes in the playoffs last year for the, for the Warriors. And it was, you're looking, you know, Curry, Draymond Green, Iguodala, uh, Gary Payton, Jordan Poole, you know, Otto Porter. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's how I was getting Otto, but so, so Wiggins, Wiggins, Clay, Sorry, I don't know their starting lineup. I don't like them. <laughs> so Steph Curry, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, and Andre Iguodala. Like that, that's the biggest part of your rotation, those six guys. All right. Then you had Otto Porter, a veteran guy. You had Gary Payton. Gary Payton has five years of experience, but he's more like He's not a dominant guy, but he's a he's a defender off of your bench. That's a guy you need a wing defender to come off of your bench. That's the guy. He he was their guy for that. And then they had a couple pieces in uh, you know, Kaminga played spot minutes. Moody didn't play any last year, but that they only had a couple developmental pieces whenever it came to playoff times that were playing. And the majority like most of it, it was shrunk down, and you didn't have that. Like, Jordan Poole would have been your youngest guy playing rotation minutes in the playoffs. And then you you click back to the Grizzlies team, and everybody off of your bench is a young developmental piece. And yep. that's not a recipe for a championship. It's not going to work. Aldama, a lot of times in this series – the lights were too big for him. Yeah. John Conchar. I'm not having this conversation again. He's not a playoff <laughs> rotation piece in the story. David Roddy, a developmental piece. David Roddy did play well when he had minutes. He was a negative overall, but he's a rookie. That's kind of to be expected. They just didn't have what they needed off of their bench stuff that they could have addressed in the off season stuff that they could have addressed at the trade deadline. The Lakers gave a half of a ham sandwich and a half eaten bag of Doritos for Rui Hachimura and Rui Hachimura torched the Grizzlies in this series. Yeah. You know, they, they made a move. They go and they get Luke Kennard. That was huge. <laughs> like Luke was what, what he finished like a plus 28 in, in the series in the minutes that he played. Yeah. Well, so, you know, the, the one the move that they made, yeah, like it was crazy. The one move that they made worked. It worked well. It's like, okay, Isaiah Hartenstein, that's somebody you could have went and got out as a as a backup center in the offseason. And yeah. Nothing. That they, they, they didn't go and do it. I and now you, you can't we don't know what would happen in this series if Brandon Clark was healthy. Like, that's just something injuries happen. But all of those rookies, all of those rookies that they took. Yeah. For what, man? What What did any of those rookies do for you in the playoffs? Yeah. Da- and- da- David Roddy. Is, is, and then and here, here's the, the kicker. 
they didn't even draft Kenneth Lofton Jr., that he was an undrafted free agent, and he played, but he didn't play any meaningful minutes in the playoffs. The other rookies that you took brought you nothing, nothing. And, and yeah, if you're building for the future, I get that. But you have to, at some point, we, we talked about it before on this show, salaries are going to make a difference. You're, you're going to get to a point where you have to make a decision on who's staying on this team and who's going because you're going to be over the salary cap. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and yeah, I, it's, it's frustrating, man. And, and it was like, I had issues with the construction of the roster before this series and it just got completely exposed throughout this series. Right. A couple of points. I will say for those devil advocates in terms of the Hardenstein thing, he went to the Knicks, which is a big market. And we do know it's hard to get free agents in Memphis. So I will I will put that out there for the opposing fan who, who goes, well, they couldn't just pick anybody out of free agency. And that's fair. Um, But they could have done some other things, some trades. Some, they, they had some other options, uh, especially going into the draft. They had a lot of assets. But as you were talking, one of the things that stood out to me and you were just kind of listing some of the players on other championship level teams or even successful teams in the case of the Lakers, they they were successful enough to beat us. So um, there were the, the thing about the developmental rookie is you don't know who they are yet. And as you were going down and naming some of those guys and what their role was, what makes what makes the starting lineup so elite is that everyone has a role, right? It's clear and defined what each player brings to that starting lineup when it's Steve-O, when it's Dylan Brooks, when it's Dez, Jaron, Ja. That's understood and everybody functions around that. And, and yeah, they're, as, as they've developed, that's needed to be also a little bit, but the point is, the core of that stays the bench. I mean, going through the roster, it's hard to really point to the elite thing, the reliable thing that each bench player can provide you to, to give the team. And when you're in the playoffs, you have to know because it affects your rotations. It affects your decisions, who you're bringing in and when you're bringing them in momentum wise, because You need to know what skill set you're putting on the court. And it just simply whenever, especially in those all bench lineups, it's just a bunch of question marks and you, you, everybody is good at a lot of things. And the Grizzlies have been intentional about getting players who are good in a lot of things. And I think that was great for a starting rebuilding team, but I really think you got to get some specialists. Like you got to get people who major in something. Uh, Look, you you got a lot of jack of all trades. You yeah. need some masters on the roster. That that's you need a ma- masters of one. You yeah. need somebody that comes in and is a defender off of the bench. Yeah. You need somebody to come in that is going to get buckets off of the bench. Like right. and and right. Can some of these guys develop into that? Yes, absolutely they can. And that's what I go back to the point I made earlier of I don't know where that line is at like what has to happen for this front office to shift gears into let's go win a championship mode. I don't know where, where that happens, but 
you got to think that you're close at this point, right? Is this year or next year? I mean, it really, I think I agree with you. It should be this year. I'm prepared. I'm prepared for it to be next year just because they've conditioned me to do so. But I, I think at this point, if, if I'm, if I'm in the front office, I'm looking at the looking at the developmental players and I'm saying, who's going to raise the ceiling of the team? Whoever can't raise the ceiling of the team needs to be consolidated. And then we need to replace them with specialists because you got a core that covers a lot of what you need. Seriously, <laughs> you really got a core. Like Dez is an elite shooter. And yeah, you need another one. But Dez is an elite shooter. You got a defensive player of the year and you got a superstar scorer in Ja and all of them can get you 20 to 25 points per game or more potentially on a night to night basis. That's a lot. So you really just need guys who can who you can count on to do specific things that will complement the others. And you have to know that those guys are going to be able to do it like Steven Adams with the rebounding is great. Like. Steven Adams is the glue. Why? Because he has a set and defined role that complements the rest of the roster. And the bench has to be constructed the same way. And if they can do that in terms of upgrading the margins, this is a championship team. It's not like they got to go out. You talk about the one big piece. They don't need that. They develop their one big piece. And they can, I'm not saying clean out the whole bench. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are a couple guys who are going to be able to to specialize in something for you one day, you got to project those guys. It's the, I mean, you could be wrong, but that's just how it's the job of a GM. They get paid a lot of money to do it and then replace them. That's the, that's the path forward, really. Um, it, at least in terms of upgrading your margins. Yeah. And that's, I know Kleinman has on multiple occasions made the comment that he wants to, win multiple championships, right? They like they're yeah. they're constructing this roster not to go out and win a championship, but multiple championships. And that's great. That's I'm I would love that for sure. I just let's start with the one. Yeah. Like <laughs> like let let let's get one and then we can focus on yeah. on the rest. And that's veteran leadership has been a thing that that we have talked about for multiple seasons. Now you go back to Jaws rookie year. You had Solomon Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jay Crowder. You keep it like th- there were uh, Kyle Anderson, JV. Now you sh- going into this year. Who's the vet? They Dylan took Brooks. The yeah. They took D- the train. D- off yeah. Like th- there, there are literally no vets on this team. And so do I want them to just cut all of these young guys and go out and and fill the bench with a bunch of vets that can't play? No, that's not what I want to do. But Tyus Jones is expendable. Yeah. And, And I might be in the minority on this. He's fantastic in the regular season. He's fantastic when he has to be the starter for this team. But when he comes off of the bench, Something's broken him. Like he plays different when he comes off of the bench. Yeah. The con the level of confidence that he plays with when he's in the starting lineup is unbelievable. But when he comes off of the bench, and I understand basketball wise that coming off of the bench is different than starting, but his role 
really should not change when he is when he's the starting point guard. He initiates the offense. If he can, you know, if the best option is him getting a bucket, then he takes that. When he's coming off of the bench, it should be the same way. Initiate the offense. And if you get in a bucket is the best option, then take it. Like you want to get other players involved, but we've seen him go for 20 multiple times because he's able to knock down threes. He can get in there. He can knock down that floater. But for whatever reason, when you get later in the season and he's coming off of the bench, he's not that starter anymore. He he was broken this series. I don't know what he averaged in this series, but I know that it was terrible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It it was bad. And to your point, one thing that Ty is when he first was re-signed, when he was asked about kind of what made him re-sign, it caught caught my attention at the time, his response. And it it concerned me a little bit, but I, I wasn't, I was happy he was back. He said it was comfortable when he re-signed. He said it was comfortable. Uh, he talked to, you know, he went on, it was home and all of that. But I just, it alarmed me because I go like, is that really, I don't know. I just feel like that's not a great place to be as a competitor is, is super comfortable. And I, I think what you see from Ty is as a result of two things. One, obviously, I mean, he knew he was getting paid this offseason, so I don't think he put in the same amount of effort. Like he talked about how much work he put in to getting better at shooting the three the season before, and it was a contract year for him. So he put a lot of work in the offseason, and he obviously didn't put that same amount of work, understandably, in, in the offseason with which he got paid. So you see a little bit of regression there. I expected that. But the other part of it is I think he he's gotten to the point now where he knows he should be a starter. And I think I, this is completely me projecting, right? I have no inside information, but just based off his body language, based off the trend of the player he is, when he starts versus when he's not started, I think you're looking at a guy who, who at this point, while he was comfortable, at some point it changed to especially when he became nationally known, right, as a guy who could start. I think it should I think it affects his like you said his confidence. They like it's he plays differently because I think he's playing like a guy who's coming off the bench and he feels like and knows he should be starting. Um so it's not comfortable anymore. And being comfortable is not a great reason. It's not the best reason. It's not a bad reason. It's just not the best anyway. And you're seeing kind of why, because you get complacent. Yeah. yeah you, you get that. You get the level of comfort. Yeah. And then when you really need it, like when you need to turn it up, it's just not there. Right. And I really like, I feel like that's, he averaged four and a half points in this series, I didn't do the, the field goal percentage and stuff, but it, it, you need more from not just him. You need it from everybody, but specific, like you pay him to bring him back and it's understandable. He earned the contract. He has been good for this team. He still is a good player, but something has to give, like if you can't get over that hump, I think I got to the point last season with Melt where I realized he is valuable because of what he brings defensively. 
but you need more from him offensively. And Stones is not as good defensively as Melton was. And I thought he was better, more consistent offensively, but he proved in the series that he's not. And well, this is this is when it matters. Like I'll be go go ahead. I was just not just putting in it's been all season. It's not just the series, it's really been all season. Yeah. I I'm, I don't care what he does in the regular season. I'm not interested in what any of these players do in the regular season. It's about the playoffs. Like if you're you're building this team to win multiple championships, then they have to produce in the playoffs. Now, do yeah. you give up on a rookie after year one? No, but you know what Tyus Jones is. You know that what he's capable of, and it doesn't appear like in the playoffs that he has that gear to find. Isaac just jumped in and joined us, so Isaac, you're, you're kind of coming in mid conversation, man. But we're we're talking about kind of roster construction, and I was running through the Warriors roster from last season, and then I was talking about the Lakers a little bit this season, and and not that. Again, not that I think that the Lakers are a championship team this year, but when you look at teams that are built for championships, their guys that are coming off of the bench have very specific roles of this is why I'm coming off of the bench. Right. And and Candace talked about how the Grizzlies have a lot of guys that are good at a lot of things, but don't really specialize in anything. So I, I wanted to give you that bit of information. That's what we've been talking about. But but do you have anything specific? You've heard most of this Tyus Jones conversation. You got anything to add to it? Um, I'm just gonna say for for me, and I kind of me and you kind of talked about this earlier this morning. For me, it's the biggest problem with this roster, and and, and I said this roster was flawed, and it, it definitely is. I think the biggest issue for me is team versatility. Um, they're very dependent on certain things like earlier in the season before Steven Adams went down the really the only way this team could win uh, at the highest level uh, or their peak level is getting offense rebounds, getting second chance opportunities because they didn't have the shooting in, in order to match teams, making a lot of shots on the other end, they would make up for that by getting extra possessions. Steven Adams got hurt. They went out and acquired Luke Kennard. And then that, in that time of the season, at the end of the season, they, kind of learned how to win a different way. Uh, they were making shots, um, and we kind of thought going into this Lakers series that there was an advantage for this team. And you see Luke Kennard go out, and people are freaking out saying that we feel like that really diminishes our chances. And people, a lot of people said this about Steven Adams early in the season, that they felt like the team's success was too centered on Steven Adams being there. And I kind of feel the same way about Luke Kennard. I love Luke Kennard, but this is a guy who was getting DNPCTs in LA in, with the Clippers. And you go into that game last night saying, man, we might be toast because Luke Kennard can't play. And that shows you right there that you need more. I mean, if you're depending on a, a guy, and again, that's not a slight to Luke Kennard at all because I love Luke Kennard as a player. But if you're putting that much weight on Luke Kennard coming off the bench to your team's success, you, you probably need more on your roster. And they just – they don't have the shooting. They need more guys that can shoot. I mean, you got two guys in Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard, and outside of that, you don't have anybody else that defensive fear can come in and knock down shots, which makes it a lot easier for you to for, – for them to guard. You also – your two top players in 
John Morant and Jared Jackson Jr. really don't have a mid-range game. That hurts them as well. And, and you see Ja, he had that one big game in the series, but anybody that watches his team knows there's a big difference between Ja with Steven Adams on the floor and when he's not. And to, to have that much weight on a, on a guy that to have overall team success, I just think they're too dependent on role players, and that means that they need to bring in other guys, and it kind of goes to the point that you guys were talking about. You need more guys that can do certain things because you got Steven Adams. He does that certain thing, and he's the only person on the roster that can do that. You got Luke Kennard is a shooter. You got Desmond Bain is a shooter, but when you only have one of those guys on the floor, and especially when Dylan Brooks is on the floor, a guy that they don't have to got the guard, it, it really makes it tough because you just don't have the spacing. So for me, I agree that I don't necessarily think that you need a quote-unquote fourth guy. If you can get that guy, fine. If you can go out and get a fourth really good starter, borderline all-star type player, by all means, you go for it. But I, I just think they need multiple guys. That that uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is the name that has come up. Kind of if Dylan Brooks is gone, a guy you could place him, you, you could bring him in and maybe another guy. Guys that just know their role. That's the one thing that I like about Dorian Finney-Smith is he doesn't try to play outside his limitations. Um, he knows what he is, and he's going to fit into that mold, and that's all he's going to do. And they just need more guys like that. They don't necessarily need more, quote-unquote, guys that are going to come in and take a whole lot of shots. They just need guys that can fill in fill in their role and and not hurt the rest of the team and do what they do. And so that's kind of my, my thoughts on that. I just feel like they need more roster versatility. I feel like they're too dependent on certain ways to win and you want to get out of that mode. You want to be able to win in multiple kind of ways and make defenses think they're too predictable um, at, at times. And I, and you definitely want to get out of that. And I think that's been one of their, their biggest problems. Uh, even last year, I think that was one of their problems and you, you got younger. I mean, you, any, anybody that, that follows me knows my thoughts on that this off season. Um, I, I think that they probably need to get a little bit older. You had a lot of young guys on the bench this year and, when it when the injuries came this year, it didn't work as well as they had in the past. They had been able to weather kind of the storm when guys went out. I think this year, because they got younger on the bench, it was more of a struggle when that happened. So I don't they're not a long ways off. I, I just think there's some things that they need to as far as roster construction, they need to change some things because they have a lot of guys on that bench right now that, like you said, they don't specialize in anything and you just never know what you're gonna get when they come in because they're young. And, and they, they're not veterans. So when you have those veteran guys, there's a baseline of what you can expect. But a lot of those guys, you hope they can come in and play well, but you never know for sure. Yeah, well, I think I think you're right about the the getting older in the sense of like after this season, I'm not sure, you know, used to be really proud to brag on being the youngest team, you know, one of the second youngest team, fifth youngest team, whatever. I'm not sure I want to keep doing no, like I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think that that's something I'd be excited to to say. Uh, like in any years moving forward, you got a young core. I think that's enough. Like you got a, a young a young big three, and so the age of the roster doesn't really and, matter. The upside is the core is young. And I was gonna say one one thing about that is them peaking early. I think has been a blessing and a curse because it created a certain level of expectations. Right. So when stuff like, like like this happened, when they lose in the first round, it, it makes it tough to say all oh, where these guys are 23, 24, because you look and they were in the, the semifinals last year. And we kind of felt like 
if it weren't for injuries, they definitely would have been, I feel like definitely would have been at least in the, the, the conference finals, if not the finals last year. So it, it makes it kind of hard to put in perspective because you feel like, well, maybe they took a step back. And in reality, young teams usually don't do what they've done. So it's, they're, they're, just, they're in kind of a weird spot, man. And I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, it's going to be an interesting offseason because they don't really, people talk about the assets that this team have all they have this buttload of assets. They really don't because I mean, you, you don't have Dylan Brooks anymore. That's, and people talk about side and trade and I never put any stock in side and trade because those are extremely hard to pull off. I mean, you got a lot of parties that have to agree. Dylan has to agree. Chris have to agree. The other team has to agree to the contract that you sign them to and they have to want him. That's a lot of agreement to come together. Those are rare. So I don't really look at that. I think he probably just ends up walking. I mean, you have Tyus contract the only really other contract of guys that you'd be willing to move is Steven Adams which I don't and I'm not going to say willing to move I guess contracts that would move the needle in a deal that aren't just filler and and out and guys outside of the big three those are really the only two contracts you have I mean you have the Warriors pick which I, I was me and Dave were talking about this morning I think that they probably if they're going to do anything significant this offseason I think that's definitely going to have to be in play uh, on the table because that's probably their biggest asset outside of Tyus Jones. And I don't know if they move Steven Adams, the knee thing makes it tricky, but I, it, to me, anything should be on the table outside of the big three. Um, I, I just think that there needs, there has to be some kind of shakeup with the way that this season went. I, I don't think the, the the way that they, they operated last off season, just come back pretty much run it back add a few rookies and, and let's go. Uh, that's not going to, that's not going to work this off season. I also think that there should be, some changes on the coaching staff. Uh, we know that they're not going to get rid of Jenkins for, for, for several reasons that I don't even think that's on the radar right now, but they need to take a look at, at that staff. Um, and I think they need to need to bring somebody in that's going to, to challenge Jenkins. And, and that goes against everything that they stand for. So I don't know if it happens, but it's definitely something that I would like to see. Oh, really? Just more, more, if they had a former player. Yeah, like- exactly. Like, it ain't even got to be somebody that's going to, I mean, yeah, they'll probably challenge them on a few things, but like, but that it would also have a backing to it. You know what I mean? Like, I've played, I've done this, you know, it gives a little bit more credence to it, even from the player's perspective, too. And I think Jenkins may be more receptive to that kind of thing. I mean, it's not got to be some kind of aggressive personality. It really doesn't. It's just pointing that out and, and, because I think some of the stuff is just common. It's, it's common like basketball sense. And, and because he can get lost in the analytics, it would help give balance. Um, like you said, I don't know how likely it is, but I, it would be extremely encouraging for me to see them make some make a move like that. So they do have Potapico, who was a, a former player, but I mean, that's been a long time. And those guys probably don't even even know, know anything about that. He's because he's not a guy that's going to, kind of flaunt that, but I think all the guys on the, everybody on that staff, guys and girls, because they have Sandra Romain as well, everybody on that staff is the same person. They're all analytical yeah. guys. There, There's no contrast on the staff, really. I, it, it just needs to be something different. Like you, when you look at a lot of coaching staffs in the NBA, when you look down at the assistants, you look down and say, okay, these guys are future coaches. I see a couple guys that could be a future coach. When you look at this Grizzly staff, I don't think most of those guys are on the, on the radar of anybody as being a head coaching candidate. I know Darko's 
a candidate for the Toronto job, but but outside of that, I, I just don't think you look down and see any up and coming coaches that are going to be head coaches or candidates. They're just kind of these are our guys, and we kind of dole out roles uh, to teach one of these, but they're just pretty much all the same person. And I just think they need more versatility. And it's kind of funny because I was saying team versatility. I think they also probably need more versatility on the coaching staff as well. Well, David, you want to go ahead? Yeah, no, no, you can go ahead. I was going to ask a question, so I didn't know if you want to to follow up with anything. No, I mean, I'm – the the one thing that I was going to add kind of went along the same lines of what you did. So I'm good with that. You can go ahead and ask a question. So you guys, so you guys specifically mentioned versatility. And I do think that's a really great point from a staff and coaching perspective, but back to the, the not staff and coaching, but from a coaching and players perspective, you know, we were talking earlier about specializing in one thing. Um, how do you guys, like in your opinion, it's kind of on the spot, but just, is there a way to balance that, right? Where you get versatile players that can do multiple things, but also that they that 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 you know you can count on them for those things too. Because they almost seem like countering. Like when you think about specializing in one thing, kind of like Steve, right? Which is a good point where like they depend on him for that. Yeah. Play for this team to balance some level of versatility because I mean really if you want to argue the grizzly side of it they could say they are versatile because they got different guys that can do different things right now um <laughs> but that's not exactly it it also nobody can do anything reliably either um is there yeah yeah I like I like I said I just think it's do even even the big three? Uh, the, take take those guys. You talk about Ja, Jaron, and Desmond Bain. Uh, all of those guys, like Ja, I feel like Ja needs Stephen Adams badly. Like when because he doesn't have the mid range jumper, and when he doesn't have mid range jumper, when you see getting these high level playoff games like what the Lakers were doing, they were forcing him to be a jump shooter, and he just couldn't get to the basket, and he doesn't have a mid range, which would open up everything. But even if you didn't have Stephen Adams. That's a problem, and, and and that's something that needs to be balanced out. Because if Stephen Adams isn't there, you probably need if that's going to be the situation with Ja, which I think the big best solution would be Ja just developing a mid range game. But if that's going to be the case going forward, you need to have somebody else that can come in behind Stephen Adams and can do some some similar things. Like I think you need to have, I don't want to say duplicates on the bench, but guys you know, that. Yeah, guys that can do the do the same type of things. Like when Steven Adams is gone, you're not completely toast. If Luke Kennard's out, you're not out there with one shooter in Desmond Bain. I, right. I think they just need multiple. they just need more multiple, yeah, multiple pieces. And that's why I think it's probably because it's gonna be tough. I mean, they don't have the assets to go out and do anything super big. But if, if you can get uh, uh I mean, I think they'll make a run at guys like Mikhail OG. I, I don't know if they'll end up with them. I'm again, I'm I'm not a big proponent of bringing in OG anyway, but guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, I think if you bring him in, I think you still need another guy, but they just need to bring in. Those are the type of players that they need to bring in. Yeah. And I, I don't think it necessarily, they necessarily have to get a fourth guy because they, you have those three guys and I think those, that's enough shots to go around. You don't need necessarily bring in any more guys that needs more shots because OG is another guy that I think he wants to go somewhere where he's going to be at worst number two. 
I mean, yeah. from some of the comments I've heard, and that's not going to be the case on this team at all. He's probably, he's probably coming in to be the number four, and would he would he be happy with that role? So I, I think bringing in those role players like 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 we talked about, and bringing in two, maybe even three of those guys, I think is the best route for this team. Mm-hmm. Just guys that can fill in because they have the the big three. You you don't need to bring in something that's going to take those over the top, not unless you're moving one of those guys, which I don't think you are. So that, that I think that's the best route for this team this summer is to find a way to bring in two or three guys that can shoot, can play defense, and if you're talking about a big, a guy that can set screens, um, and, and I think that's that that will be enough because again, you're going to continue to get maturation from those three guys because they're still young. I mean, that's the thing that you have to put in perspective. I know it's tough to think, okay, where they were in the second round last year to lose in the first round, that's a regression, but. I personally think if Steven Adams and Brandon Clark had played in this series, I still think I think the Grizz win this series. That's my opinion. Some people might disagree, but I fully I fully believe that. And maybe the conversation would be a little bit different. But I I, I still think even if they had won the series and everything was fine, I, I think there was still some things that need to be looked at this offseason. Uh, because I, even if they had won this series, I don't know how far they would have went beyond that kind of with the roster the way that it is. I'm mm-hmm. still not sure that you would have won a championship this year. Right. Yeah, you still have even even with the the injuries that happen. If those guys are healthy and you win this series, and and I agree with you, I think that they do. If those guys are healthy, you still have the the issue where you, you you're missing pieces off of that. And like, yeah, that completely changes. So if you you have Adams and Clark healthy. Well, then now you have Clark coming off of the bench. So you yeah, two, two was probably not playing. You, you would have Jones, Kennard, and Clark would be your essential bench rotation, which is better. But then if you get into any kind of issues at all to where you need somebody off of that bench to play extended minutes, you go back to it being rookies. You go back to it being young guys. And I get like that's part of being a young team. But I, I think even when our lose this series, there there was flaws with this roster heading yeah, into the absolutely. playoffs, and I it didn't for me it didn't change. It just kind of the things that I was concerned with, not everything, but a lot of the things that I was concerned with heading into this series just kind of got brought into light. Yeah, yeah, and I was gonna say people when you go kind of talking about this on Twitter. Uh, last night and today, there's there's some that kind of say, "Oh well, everything would have been fine if we had Stephen Adams and, and Brandon Clark." And they're probably correct that that you would have won this series. And you don't ne- when things are going well, you don't necessarily kind of I'm not going to say harp on, but have in depth conversations about the deficiencies. Usually, if things are going well, you just kind of say, "Okay, well," and talk about what's going well. Talk about the negative, but as David said. There were some issues with this roster. There's been some issues all year. I mean, even before Stephen Adams got hurt, they had started that losing streak. There's been some issues with this team in the in the roster construction, even going back to last summer. I still feel like last year's team was better than this one. I, I know that there was some progression from from Desmond Bain in, in times before he kind of had some issues. I think struggled with the foot a little bit late in the season, going to the playoffs, um, and Jared Jackson Jr. But even even Jared, even those guys, we we saw uh, uh, when Ja was out a big uptick from Jared. But 
you had 31 points in game one, but you see last night where he completely was just a, disappeared. I mean, it was rough watching him in the game last night, and that's not to, to jump on him because everybody was bad pretty much last night. But I still don't know if he's gotten to the point to where you there's a baseline which you know that's what you're going to get from Jared because you could get that 31-point performance and then you could get some some pretty good performance in between like we saw in other games, but then you can get a performance like we saw last night. So I still don't know if you can completely depend on those guys. Even Ja, Ja had the 40-something point game, and then he had a game like last night. It's These guys are still young, and again, I think that a lot of that has to do with other factors on the roster, uh, just not having the shooting like we talked about, so that means you not don't have nuclear, so you don't have the spacing, so Ja can't do what he's going to do. Uh, they still don't seem to have uh, – a certain plan to get the ball into Jaron. And again, that goes back to coaching. There are just issues with, with this team. It's not jump off the cliff or anything because you do have that young big three. And as long as, as long as you have those guys, you have a tremendous base to build off of. I think they just need to build around them better. And we've all talked about Taylor Jenkins. I think we've all made our thoughts, made, uh, made our thoughts clear on him. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be the guy uh, for sure next year. So, that's not something that you can can really say because he's not going anywhere, man. So you just hope he kind of figures it out. I, I don't know if there's any more maturation for him. I know he's still a young coach and he's still learning, but I just feel like some of those things he's kind of setting his ways because yeah. you just kind of see the mentor. If you're talking about Bootenholzer, some of those same issues that you that you saw see from Bootenholzer, you see from him. And and like I said, I was talking to Lakers fans throughout the series. Some of the same questions we have about Taylor Jenkins. They've said some of the same things about Darvin Ham. So I, I think it all has to do with that Bootenholzer coaching tree, and they they coach the game a certain way. They feel like instead of adjustments, that they have a certain game plan, the way that they ideology, the way they approach games, that's just how they feel like they're going to play it. No matter, no matter whether what's going on in the game, they're just going to stick to kind of that game plan, and, and that's just what they do. And I don't think that's necessarily something that – Taylor Jenkins is going to change. I don't think all of a sudden he's going to change it to this coach where he's all throughout the game making all these adjustments and seeing this happen and it's going to change here. I just don't think – I don't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I am i won't get back into – I've I've made my thoughts completely clear on Jenkins, and, yeah, I, I'm not going to beat a dead horse with that. Got to roll with him, man. He, yeah. He's the guy, so. But – yeah. I think he's got a tough task. Him, him, and it starts in the top down front office, and and I, I think they need. I've sort of talked around it, but more directly, a culture reset and an identity reset. And it doesn't mean that some of the elements of the culture they had should just all go away, but I do think they need to sort of figure out what team they want to be, because uh, they're kind of caught in the limbo of being the team they were last year trying like confidence talk wise, but play wise that yeah, not being able to back it up. But I think it's more than just not being able to back it up. I just think they're a different team. Like even when people say Grizzlies basketball, there's a question about what exactly is Grizzlies basketball because it used to be turnovers transition and they got better and, and it should have evolved, right? They should have gotten better at the half court. They should have, you know, gotten better at other things but then what is your go-to um and it starts with Ja because Ja has a lot of questions about the player he wants to be and you can see him wrestling with that on the field so this time away 
I think will be good for him to be out of the spotlight. But from a front office perspective, they got to ask themselves some of those same questions and kind of how do they want to lead and direct their team. It starts with the question about Dylan Brooks, but it also is just Dylan Brooks or no Dylan Brooks. What, what does this team stand for? And, and, because I don't think you can just go back to saying we're going to put back on that old confident swag like that. Just I don't think that serves. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how and if they address that because it's not just the roster construction. It's it's more than that too. Yeah, I think it was it it was kind of a, and a lot of stuff that happened this season. I don't think helped that at all. Um, it was kind of a tale of two seasons. I um, mean, you had all kind of different, I guess, eras. Of the season, I mean, you had the the early part where you had Stephen Adams, you had most of your guys um, at, at one time. I mean, you talk Desmond Dane this time, but when, when you had him, you had the situation where you they were kind of the same team as where they needed those offensive rebounds, second chance points to kind of be successful. Then Stephen Adams goes out, and, and you bring in Luke Kennard, and they became a much better half court team. You do don't have John, they start going to Jaron as the go to guy. And they were also making shots during that time. Then you go into the playoff. You Stephen Adams doesn't come back, and now you have a game where, like last night, where you lose Luke Kennard, and now it's something completely different. There's just a lot of moving parts and different things going on this season. You had all the outside noise from from the Jaw stuff and the fine in the West, and just everybody has all this negative stuff about the Grizzlies, the Dylan Brooks stuff. They definitely need a reset or a, a recharge, and they have to figure out which direction they're going to go uh, because it's play wise off the court wise, persona wise, pretty much all the way around. It's, it's just going to be an interesting thing is Dylan Brooks going to be off this team. Now he was kind of people looked at him as kind of being one of the cultural leaders. Now that he's gone now, who's going to step into that spot? Like what, what is the team's identity going to be? I think they all around, I think on the court and off the court, there's a lot of questions to answer this off season. I mean, you still have job, going through his process of, of of kind of changing the way that he operates. I mean, he still even talks about that now. Uh, talked about it at, at the press press conference that he has to be, as a team, that they have to be more mature. They all talked about kind of maturity. And, and I, I definitely think that's that's the aspect uh, of kind of what we saw in the series. I mean, they look like a young team after last year. They didn't really look like a young team. We talked about that on here, on here last time. That's something that the maturity – aspect is it, something that's going to be interesting to watch this offseason. So it, it's definitely more than personnel. Uh, it, I think everybody from top to bottom, the exact climbing uh, to the, the players, to Taylor Jenkins, to the staff, I think everybody needs to take a look in a mirror and figure out where do we go from here? So this is a, I think a crossroads kind of offseason for this team because it felt like, man, we're on a way. This is a rocket. Uh, we're going straight to the top, and now it's kind of you. You go from what we saw last year to losing in the first round. Now you got to figure out, okay, what where are we going? Like, is is this going to be what we what we are? I mean, are, are we on the way to a championship, or do we need to make how much change do we need to make, so to speak? So that's that's going to be interesting, man. It, it's going to be. I think there's definitely going to be change. Again, I don't think you can go into this offseason just stick with the status quo. So we're going to have a couple guys and run it back. That's not going to work anymore. There's you can't lose in the first round in a series like this, even with the injuries and just kind of kind of run it back, man. There's a lot of questions and things that have come to a head. I think they've they've had enough evaluation. I mean, this is four years you've had most of these guys 
the, the major guys for long enough now to kind of to, to know what you've got. Now you need to figure out, okay, what's the best way to proceed as, as far as putting guys around them. I'm, I agree with you that they should not run it back like that. They, they should make changes, but I'm not buying into that. That is what they're going to do. Because Man, after after what this team done, you know, I, I said earlier in the show, I felt like this team was just being healthy away from making a finals run last season. Man, they better not. They and they got not. young. I know where you're going. Yeah. And and I just I will not like I had my hopes up last year that okay, they've got all these picks. They're going to make a move to make this team better. And they're, they're going to say Steven Adams was out. Yeah, and, and no, like, no, I, I don't. No, yeah, d- do not, not exactly, rest man. on that. So for me, like, yes, I agree with what you're saying, but this front office hasn't shown us anything different, and I'm not going to get crushed as a fan again, thinking, oh, well, they're going to shift gears into this. Should I, I don't know where that line is. I, I said that again when Candace and I earlier in the show. I'm like, I don't know where the line is as a front office person. We're like, okay, this is a time where we need to push in. But Kleiman's mentioned over and over and over again. We've heard, well, success is not always linear. And it, it I will, haunts me. I'll bet you anything <laughs> that tomorrow in their media, their end of season media availability. So says they always live. <laughs> we will hear that line at least one time. And oh, he's so, definitely going to say it since they lost in the first round. He's 100% saying <laughs> it's, I want them to do something to say, okay, this is where we're at, but there are a lot of reasons. Like this is where we're at and we need to move forward, but there are a lot of reasons to say, okay, let's not, let's let Dylan Brooks walk and then let's get some guys in here and actually go into a full development year next year. And they will still win games because the core of this team is good, but there will not be any championship aspirations. It will be let's get Zaire Williams healthy and give him the minutes that we want to see him playing and see if he can develop into that wing defender that they're going to need if Dylan Brooks walks and they don't replace him. And I, I feel like, this team is more than likely going to be in a situation where they don't go and make that big splash. They don't go after, I'll say this, if they go after OG Ananobi, and I don't think that they will because this is like a very fan-driven, oh, go after OG because he's a hot commodity type thing. If OG Ananobi is a replacement for Dylan Brooks, this fan base is going to be disappointed. He, I want to yeah, he he's not the upgrade that these fans are making him no. out to be, and he he will go from being loved to getting a whole lot of hate. So I don't want to run super long, Isaac. You came in late. I know you got a lot more that you probably want to say, but I don't want this to be an hour and a half episode. So oh, good. Try and, yeah, I want to try and wrap it up here pretty quick. But Candace, I, but before I move on to something else, do you have anything that you want to add to that? No, man. Uh, I think you guys hit on a lot of the points. So. Uh, it's just, we definitely got a lot of time, man. <laughs> a lot of time to discuss this, this, uh, this stuff and, and, and see, you know, see if we got potential solutions or, or thoughts and opinions as the off season shakes out. Yeah, for sure. So we're shifting into one of, I don't even know, like it's a, it's a weird off season, but I'm excited for draft talk. Isaac and I have been doing that over the last few seasons. We love digging into these prospects. We'll be bringing those to you. 
probably starting maybe late next week, but we'll do a yeah. uh, kind of a season recap, even though that's similar to what this was. We'll uh, we'll get a little more organized and do a season recap episode following the uh, the media availability tomorrow um, at, at some point. And so we'll, we'll all be back for a little bit, and then you'll get a lot of draft coverage from Isaac and myself. So we, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, I'm I'm going to give the spiel to close out. Then, Isaac, if you got anything you want to add before we get out of here, I'll let you get the, the last word in here. But the show is on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D, D Will 2 1. Find me on Twitter at Candace H901. As it wraps us up. Yeah, that, I'm just a touch on the, on the OG thing, man. I'm complete in complete agreement with you. I just don't think he's that guy. And I, I don't even think a lot of fans were even familiar with his game until he kind of came, became the hot name at a trade deadline. Then all of a sudden, everybody want OG. Somebody put out a poll on Twitter the other day, like, who did the, who, who did you, who you want? The Grizz to go after this offseason. It was like 91% OG Ananobi. I was like, man, He's just not not that guy, and he's going to be a free agent at the end of next season, and you got to pay that guy $30-plus plus billion to keep him. I'm just not I'm just not on that train, man. I, I just don't think he's enough of an upgrade. Then he's injury-prone. That's another thing that you have to bring into the equation. So we'll, we'll see. I, I personally think they are going to try to make another run at him. I just feel like the price is going to go down. Um, and when you look out there on the market trade-wise, there's always things that pop up, but I just feel like, He's the obvious guy because he's looked at as a defender. They're definitely going to be looking at somebody that that can kind of replace Dylan's defense if he is gone. So I, I think they make a does a run at him. But I, I'm just not interested in paying him, extending him at thirty plus million dollars, man. But uh, you can find the show at Ethos Grizzlies. Give us a like and a follow. End of the season media availability tomorrow. We'll definitely have some stuff on that coming up on our next episode. Uh, you can find me on my personal page on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. I S A A C underscore underscore NBA. Until next time, we're gone.